And welcome to another episode of For the Love of Sports. My name is Michael Raziel. This is a show where we get to talk about sports, we get to talk about business, and we get to talk about everything in between. Wherever you're listening, how are you listening, you know exactly what to do on YouTube. Like and subscribe. On Spotify, give me a nice five-star review. And on Apple, make sure to say something nice about me there as well. But more importantly today, my incredible guest, I have Wiley McGraw. He's the founder of Radical Performance Acceleration. He's a former baseball player, competitive bull rider. He's a three-tour combat veteran. He's also the host of the Wise Words and Whiskey with Willie McGraw podcast. Wiley. Wiley. Why did I say Willie? Do people do that a lot? Yeah, my whole life. It happens, Bubba. (laughs) That's cool. All right. Wise Words and Whiskey with Wiley McGraw. Sounds a lot better. Uh, Mm. Wiley, how you doing today, man? I'm doing fantastic, Michael. Thanks for having me on, brother. Appreciate it. Pleasure is all mine. I kind of want to almost start a counter of how many times I call you Willie by mistake, but we'll It'll let happen. the audience members do that. Uh, I don't do it on purpose, so I don't really feel that bad about it. No worries. Wiley, no worries. we're going to talk about a lot of really cool things, what you do, how you help people, the things that you've learned in your past through obviously being a combat veteran as well as a professional athlete. But the first question I have for everybody on the For the Love of Sports podcast is, why do you love sports so much? Mm. The competition, the the containment that forces you to improve yourself on a constant basis, never-ending quest for optimizing a mindset, focus, and discipline. Those are the key elements that I very much love about sports in general is the teamwork, the ability to push your limits, having people that uh, challenge you and stretch you and keep you uh, performing at the top of your game on the tip of your toes. To me, that's the way in which that I, I found to be the best at what I, I was doing when I was an athlete, and I think that's why I love it so much. Why do some people have that and some people don't? Like, do you think there's like a spectrum of it? Like, you, you know what I mean? Do you think yeah. everyone innately has like a baseline and then some people just have more? Like, where does that come from in a lot of people, you think? Well, you said a great word to start. And I, most people don't even talk about that is everything is on a spectrum. Life is not a black and white. You're either here or you're here. There's so many different areas on that spectrum of gray that we need to explore for ourselves rather than trying to copy and mimic somebody else's capacity or their level of performance or abilities. So I think human beings have their own innate nature where they can capitalize or maximize on their potential, but I don't feel everybody is operating at the same capacity or the same level, which is what separates the different types of people we have in our society. So I, you know, some people just are built a certain way and they accentuate that through the challenges of life and other people need to develop those skills along the way, which is why sometimes it seems some are going faster than the others. Yeah, I think Jeff Bezos yeah. um, read his book, Elon Musk uh, read his book, right? Like they always just seem like they had something. Um, maybe I don't know what it is. Maybe you know what it is. But they always mm. had something and that always set them apart, whether it was work ethic or, or dedication or drive. So it's really interesting talking to people like yourself, Willie. Because, oh, there it is. There's another one. Mm-hmm. Wiley, uh, because, you know, I think that you you've, ah, you have a better understanding of where more people are coming from from this, right? Like ex- explain to the audience, if you don't mind, a little bit about what you do before we kind of – I want to go back to your sports career and understand that sure. a little bit. But right now, what exactly do you do? How do you help people? Well, the founder of Radical Performance Acceleration is a very specialized custom business built around my gift and my skill set of being able to see and expose – the real driving factors and the blind spots behind people's performance like Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk. Everyone sees them as they're just built differently. They're motivated. They're driven. And I can see even deeper into what actually drives them and motivates them. And it's not necessarily always good. It sometimes often comes from dysfunction and stress and things like that. These leaders build their empires on the back of that. So my work is not about helping anybody. I come into the lives and unfuck the lives of very powerful people. I'm considered a demon slayer or better yet, a performance accelerator, as my clients call me. 
I've worked with people from Wall Street to Hollywood, professional sports, personal development, and behind the scenes for the last 14 years as a very exclusive elite resource that integrates into the lives of each individual that I work with holistically, where I live with them, travel with them. I'm in, in it with them 24-7 for an undetermined amount of time until I truly get them to the top of their game so they can stay there live from a place of peace, satisfaction, and freedom with the successes they've worked so hard to achieve. So that's a long story short of what it is that I do. But I've taken my life experiences to fully understand who I am and why I'm able to do what I do so well. Yes, uh, very yeah. excited to ask about those life experiences. Yeah. Very excited just to ask a little bit more about what you're doing. So we'll go to the life experiences first. So maybe we can kind of Quentin Tarantino this shit a little bit. Go yeah, back and forth with this story. So nice. um, let's let's go back. Like where yeah. where where do you want to start? Do you want to start at <laughs> baseball when you were 15? Or uh, you, you tell oh, me where's this where's this started, story begin, man? I started swinging a bat and throwing a ball at three. I mean, it was just uh, you know growing up in a household of competitive athletes. My dad being a semi-pro ball player, which I've talked about time and time again, uh, you know, in the eight, uh, 70s, of course, there was no money back then. So, of course, that wasn't like the path he wanted to go, but he had a, an arm. Uh, and I grew up around people like Bo Jackson and Rod Carew and Dennis Eckersley, Jim Abbott. I met Mickey Mantle when I was nine years old because of my father's connection. So I learned quickly what it's like to be in that kind of high-performing environment with these types of people. Um, but my dad put me on the mound when I was five years old, T-ball right out of the gate. And that's where I stayed for the next 13 years playing baseball. And it just became this push of focusing only on being the best pitcher I can possibly, no matter what. I didn't get to enjoy certain activities as a, a young kid getting into school and high school. I, didn't, I had to sacrifice so many different variables because of the coaching and the discipline and things like that. But eventually got to the point where the competition wasn't just for the love of the game anymore, for the love of sports like your show is all about. It came down to me recognizing how the dynamics of stress and the unresolved, the demons of people do infiltrate and influence somebody's ability to be the best when they're in these environments, which is what fractured my mindset and forced me to go seek out something of my own, which is where that wild world of bull riding kind of came alive into me yeah yes very yeah. excited to ask about yeah. that i don't think we've had a competitive bull rider i had a competitive bowler on a couple of weeks ago that was interesting don't think i've had a competitive bull rider on yet so very grateful uh for you coming on here to talk a little bit of that Absolutely. so i guess on the baseball side of things right as you said you were able to meet many of these incredible athletes through your father's connections right not everybody on planet earth has that opportunity i would no. say very few people on planet earth have that type of opportunity how do you think seeing those people and meeting them and, and being around Bo Jackson is a different human being, right? Like there's uh, no altogether. question about it. No. Like this dude yeah. is the greatest athlete of all time. I don't care what yeah. anyone says, what he's Agreed. done, how he's done it. Uh, if Agreed. he didn't get hurt, he would have broken every record Everything. probably under the books. Um, yeah. What is it like as a young kid being able to, to see that? How did that start to impact you? Even, you know, at nine, I wasn't thinking about mental toughness and awareness, right? But how did you see some of those things start to shape who you were when you're, you have this opportunity to meet these incredible athletes, these incredible people, and not really, almost more subconsciously, how do you think that affected you? Ooh, well, even the fact that I got to look back and recognize more so exactly. after I grew yep. in my own capacity, I, as a young man, I, I felt very honored and privileged, but it was almost second nature to be around them. So I didn't see these people as the starstruck kid. I I just saw it as, you know what, hey, these are the guys that are just around. These are the pros that I, I respect and want to you know be around, be like, and I'm grateful for the fact that I get the opportunity to be trained by some of them. Um, you know, I remember walking by Bo when he was leaving, uh, you know, my dad's office at one point where he was working and I thought, yeah, I, you know, I have all his baseball cards from his 
football cards and how he operates. And I thought that guy is phenomenal. And I respect his, his, his focus and his determination and discipline. And I want to make sure that I'm performing at that same level because I can see what success means for him. And I know that as long as I operate the same way in my own capacity, that I will be able to appreciate and enjoy this longevity uh, of a baseball career that I thought I was going to enjoy for my life. But it just, as I look back, I kind of go, wow, wait a minute. Um, I didn't, the reason why I didn't get, starstruck or lose my mind over this is because I was playing with the pressures of my dad expecting me to show up a certain way so that I did look good in front of these pros that were around me, educating me, mentoring me, teaching me. I was no longer playing because I really loved baseball and only baseball. And it became this conscious awareness at a young age to go, something's off here. I don't know what it is, but I need to I need to explore the, the limits of what my dad wants and versus what I want. And I'm willing to face the consequences of doing that, which is what broke me away and, and allowed me to see the truth about what was really plaguing me as an athlete. And what was it? It was external stresses, pressures of being perfect, and this relentless need for me to show up the way I that they wanted me to rather than allowing me to unfold and discover who it is that I am as an athlete. So to me, that, that fractured my ability to stay committed to that game. And you're 18, 19 when this is happening? No, but when, I, when I, no, uh, young, um, high school, when I started so, to pull away. Yeah. I guess like, that's kind of a really high school thing to do, right? <laughs> Just kind of be yeah, like, of course. Uh, dad, like, <laughs> I know you've been right about everything up to this point, but I, you know, I don't want to do it this way. And I don't think that's a, a knock on you. That's not a knock on anyone. I did the exact same thing. It took me till I was like 26 to be like, shit, man, like I kind of just wish I listened to him every time, but I'm grateful that I didn't because I came to the same conclusion nine times out of 10, just through my own way. So was that kind of like that kind of teenage angsty thing or, or was it a little no, bit it was, you know, a little Yeah, I, I totally understand that. That I don't not for me it wasn't. It was the fact that I was pressured and I was feeling this internal volatility about where do I go? I want to be able to do what's right for myself, but I all want to appease my father, but this is not working for me. And at the end of the day, I started to naturally, I would say, unconsciously rebel against that authority and push back against if I did throw a 10 strikeout, 12 strikeout game, I got in trouble. It was like, I am failing my father rather than, okay, here's where you could improve. Here's where we need to get better. And here's where you did well. I didn't get the balance of that. And I started to see that really clearly as I got older. And I thought, I don't want to deal with this shit anymore. I don't want the stress. And I want to find something that turns me on and excites me that I chose because my dad put me into the sport. I didn't get the luxury of coming into the world and going, where do I want to go find myself? So I had to learn how to confront difficult realities from a parent in their perspective, thinking they're doing what's right for me and actually argue it and push against it because that's where I found my true calling, who I was supposed to be. And then I took that next step and jumped at that bull riding rule. How difficult is that to do? Um, your dad seems from, from the small amount of time, you know, the last 10 minutes that I've learned a yeah. little bit about him, I feel like that wasn't a like, you know what, son, this is your life. You go live it. No. I, I assume it wasn't that easy. No, it wasn't. Um, and it didn't happen. Hey, this is the conversation, you know, fight done. It was a, an ongoing progress where it just, I felt very uncomfortable day in and day out, but I still chose to go against the grain and go ride bulls. I started riding bulls when I was 16 years old. I got very turned on by the environment of the fear of the unknown and learning more about myself intuitively and being in this crazy world where anything can happen. You can get killed, you can get injured. And I didn't care. I found myself meeting a version of Wiley that I'd been dying to meet as a baseball player that wasn't there. So the more that I decided to break away from that, the more 
I would say the eruption, if you will, from the family dynamic started to present itself. And despite the fact that I was very uncomfortable, I was very, very stressed out about it. I did it anyway. And I recognized the freedom that started to come because of those decisions to face that fear and do it anyway. Yeah. That is incredible. 16 years old. I feel like most parents wouldn't want their kid riding a bull ever just because of the dangers of it. Like the fact that you go against you know i might get a little dramatic here go against the family wish of not playing baseball to go do a sport that is obviously extremely dangerous right i could like i if i had a kid i would probably be like please don't do that like what are you doing pick literally anything else go skydiving that's probably safer like what do we do i do i do jump out of airplanes (laughs) actually it's kind of my thing but you know it's like my my mother was more the country side of things and supported a little bit more of that when she found out I was doing it. My, and my father was the baseball player. My dad was the athlete. I do this this way. I need you to be a pro. And this is your path. This is your destiny. And again, I, I'm sharing it for your audience to recognize that when you have unresolved, this is part of the nature of my philosophy, my work, unresolved stress in dynamics that don't allow you to be as optimal as you can be, it will hinder your performance. It will limit your capacity. It will stifle your potential. And you're going to always feel just slightly on the back end of the chase and trying to achieve that peak level of performance rather than learning how to master it for who you are and just living from that place on a daily basis. And to me at a young age, that's where bull riding turned me on to it. And then I got excited about the opportunity to go further. And then the military came along and I jumped into that that environment and started to challenge myself that way as well. That is incredible. How can people find that out about themselves? How can they find out if they have those types of dynamics that are just, what was the word I want to make sure I'm using your words? Uh, this you talk about the the demons that plague people the unresolved stresses yeah unresolved stresses thank you unfortunately exactly unfortunately most people do they're just not aware of it they chalk it up to um that's just their personality oh oh, that's just my family that's just the people i know uh you know who am i to tell them anything you know otherwise i can't really you know my perspective their perspective and we have this weird um lack of people's ability to truly confront one another and actually battle through those very things that are in fact limiting relationship dynamics and hindering people's freedom and satisfaction, keeping everyone from a place of achieving peace internally. And we just start to chalk it up. as I heard the other day from, uh, I think my HOA president was just like, Hey, you know what? People just use the excuse of, well, I'm just human. And then, and then what? That's it. That's your excuse. You don't, that's, that's as far as we go. And this is the problem. Most people have it. What happens is we're afraid to confront it because we don't like the way it feels. So we reach for the things that we can control and we reach for this, evolutionary step-by-step process of trying to get through stresses rather than just battling them head on and going, I'm done. I don't care what it takes. I don't care how uncomfortable it is. I don't care how ugly it is. I don't care what it does to me. All I care about is getting to the other side so I can experience what it is that I want for my life. I love that. Shitty answer by that person. I'm just human. Like, okay, (laughs) thanks. Best part about being human is you could change yourself. How cool is that? Yeah, that's the best part. Clean up your Christmas ornaments. That's all I'm asking, right? right? But uh, no, no, in sincerity, I I think that's that's a really important thing for people to understand, right, that are listening. It's just, there. I mean, everybody out there right now, myself included, right, you've got a couple passive aggressive friends right there's there's probably a few text messages that you roll your eyes at every time it comes through right maybe it would just be nice to have that conversation up front and be honest i confront them get through it i just confront them if anybody throws anything passive aggressive maybe i confront it but i do it from a place of tact and understanding but at the same time it's you you gotta know when and feel is this the battle that i need to confront or is there something i kind of like you know what this is it doesn't deserve my energy and i'm going to put myself in a different situation so that's the nuanced difference here is people don't know how to delineate though whether or not it's something to confront or whether or not it's something just to let go 
And that's why people like you exist to help us out a little bit. So I do appreciate that one more time. Wiley McGraw here, founder of Radical Performance Acceleration. So you play baseball, very high level, Mm -hmm. decide Mm -hmm. not for me, going to go do Mm -hmm. bull riding. What's like, what's, how long do you do bull riding? What's that like? The, the, the energy, the freeness, I think the word you use, like, what's that like? Yeah. Oh, I don't think I could describe that in, in, into words, sitting on the back of a 1500 pound animal, feeling the life of that animal connecting with you, the intimacy that comes from being in the back of the shoot gates as you're tying your rope, preparing your ride, knowing that when that gate opens up, that animal can do anything and everything to get you off his back. Um, and then when, you know, when it happens, you call your gate as they, as they say, as you nod your head, you ask them to open it up, that, that animal blows out of there. And that eight seconds, if you can cover it, is quiet. It is presence. It is literally nothing else matters. Your mindset is strictly focused on what you're there to do. And it feels like an eternity to ride a bull for eight seconds, but it is so exciting. It's such a, a new world to be a part of. I mean, even right now we've got the NFR going on um, and I'm watching some of these bull riders and it's just kicking that nostalgic feeling up inside. And I remember the energy of it, the smell of the livestock, the smell of the rosin burning on the gloves, the Cowboys talking, you know, they're chewing their tobaccos. We're, bullshitting with each other about what we're going to do after the rodeo and that it's an environment that i loved more rather than just the bull riding it was the the cowboys the people the camaraderie that really pushed you and challenged you to be literally a a badass when it when it counted and then taking that kind of skill set and that mindset shift with you into every other area of your life really was a benefit for my ability to then step into the military and become an elite you know combat infantry leader going to those three combat tours overseas and doing what i got to do with the 101st airborne division I would say almost every athlete I've had on the show has had some form of that same feeling was I love the game, but it's the locker room with the guys or the girls. It's, it's the, it's the community aspect, right? It's that camaraderie to use your word, right? That is where so much of sports comes from because we all know we're not going pro. Like, let's be honest. That's ridiculous. But I play beer league softball, man. And you know, it's an hour and 20 minutes every other Thursday or whatever it ends up being in the spring. And it's just so much fun to be out there with yeah. the boys, right? Hang yeah. out with the girls, oh, yeah. just like BSing on the bench, making fun, having like, you know, doing something else. Like, hey, great play. That was awesome. Oh, you'll get them next time. Not a big deal, right? There's just something about that that every athlete loves inherently. And there's, I don't know, you don't really get that anywhere else because it's, you're all working towards the same goal, right? You're all trying to do the same thing. And as you said, you kind of, you were able to take a lot of these lessons and put them into your military experience as well. Three tour combat veteran. Appreciate your service again for that. Absolutely. So how, absolutely. How do you then take these experiences um, of being being a baseball player, being a bull rider, that you've kind of almost leveled up <laughs> in, in certain ways, right? Baseball is very slow moving, kind of, you know, I love it. It's my favorite sport on planet Earth. Kind of yep. boring. I can say that. Um, you then go to bull riding, right? It's, it's hectic. It's crazy. But as you said, it's, it's, eight, it's eight seconds. You then go into the military where it's hectic, it's crazy, and it's th- how many years, right? Like it's a little different, right? You're almost right. kind of getting, um, I don't want to use the word crazier but I'm going to no. use it a little crazier each time. What What are you then, where are these lessons that you're pulling out? And, and are you, how aware are you that you're learning these things? Or is it just kind of something that you're like, oh no, I'm, I'm good at awareness now. Like, oh no, adaptability. Yeah, no, it's cool. I, I learned that when I was bull riding. Now I can just utilize it. Are you aware of these lessons? Or is it more when you look back, you can say, oh shit, so that's how I learned. Wow, I'm why I'm so good at it like this. Both. I, I'll say both of it. It's, starting to see what transpires when you put yourself in environments that challenge you and scare you and push you to face fear 
creates awareness inside you. So you start becoming recognizable to your own capacity and your ability to perform much more fluidly or efficiently in each environment you subsequently put yourself in thereafter. So as a baseball player, being around, being a team leader as a pitcher, you know, pushing people, learning about myself as a leader, as someone who started on every team I ever played on, having those coaches that pushed me every single time I went to train my arsenal as a pitcher, that parlayed into bull riding, which then expanded me further to see that, well, the only way in which I'm going to become more, become better, truly transform who I am from the inside out is if I consistently keep myself in these uncomfortable environments, embracing the suck that comes along with the most arduous of challenges. And that is the component to true human capacity and, and, you know, exponential growth and performance. And then I have that awareness growth. And then I said, you know what, the military is going to be my next evolution because that's an even more challenging, scary environment. I could die for my country and I'm willing to go do that because I love the camaraderie, the teamwork. I want to serve my nation. I want to do something that's for the greater good and not just myself. And got, in, got, into, got in to serve with, excuse me, with one of the most elite historic combat units in the entire United States military. It was another honor. And then performing at my level in my job built more capacity, more ability to handle stress and chaos in any environment. Then I, I just continue to grow. And that's the thing is you're never going to truly know that unless you are in environments that you can't control that scare you and push you to face why you might be resisting. The, the challenge, someone telling you to step up or do something you typically won't do, and ability to discern, what is it that's here? Is it really a threat or is this actually someone who's meant to push me over the edge and make me step up and be more than I'm supposed to be rather than just getting stuck to where I'm at and thinking like, why am I not getting anywhere? So that to me is what, it's both. I learned it as I went through the path and then I look back and go, yep, those life experiences were not what made me. They were just what introduced me to who I really was and how I was born to this world. And that's why I'm able to be so effective and why leaders call me to optimize their lives is because of those holistic approaches to my own ability to, to get to a place of peace and satisfaction and acceleration. And that's why I talk about it to this day. Yeah. And I think it's really important, yeah. right? Like be, for, for you to be able to be aware of that, right? I think awareness is a superpower. It's something that I've been working on for the last, uh, let's call it six, seven years now. And I think I'm pretty damn starting. Uh, yeah. I'm getting, I'm much better than everybody else. Let's just say that I'm, yeah. I'm aware yeah. that I'm better than everybody else at this. Many other people at least. And yeah. I think it's, it's just one of those things where it's like, it's, it was such a, I remember when it clicked for me, like the actual, like what the hell is awareness? And like, I'm probably oh. like, I never was great at explaining it to people. It's like, um, there's a great quote. I don't need to go into it, but I know what it is when I see it, right? And I know what I, it is when I feel it. And I've wor- been working on it and been working on it. And I can tell other people you should do it. They might not do it. I guess to you, Wiley, what is, what is awareness and how are you able to harness the superpower? Well, that's a great, I, I'm glad you were going to ask that. I was hoping you were going to, and I, <laughs> I give you the answer anyway. Awareness is actually the space in which your thoughts exist that becomes aware of itself. Meaning, when you expand your ability to have a thought and rather than letting that thought immediately translate into words or action, you have the the presence of mind to take a step back and understand what is the thought? Where is it coming from? Is it necessary for me to act on it or speak on it? Or is it just there to point me towards something I might need to pay attention in my life? In our society right now, if you notice what's going on on Twitter and all across every social media platform, nobody is giving themselves enough space to argue with decorum, decency, or even couth. 
It's just this reaction because there is literally no awareness, no space inside people anymore. It's just stimuli, response, stimuli, response. And this is where we're failing as a society. So awareness to me is all about working that mindset, working emotional stability at the same time instead of just focusing on the mindset and giving yourself permission to every time you have thoughts to go, give me a moment to sit back with that and let it stretch to see how do I best utilize this in my environment with what it is that I'm doing with my relationships and what it is I want to accomplish and seeing how that thing can serve you for uplifting you rather than it just being something you have to say because you're thinking it. That's the deal. I think that's an absolutely fantastic answer. So I do appreciate it. And when you explain it like that, that's the, if I was as good as words as you, I would have said the same thing. (laughs) (laughs) That sentence. Uh, And and I think it's really important, right? Like, cause I, I would almost even add on to that in, in a sense and say, if you're being aware to not utilize that information, right? Like the, the, the way that I became aware was by noticing negative thoughts. Once I noticed negative thoughts, I was able to then divert them, turn them off, completely realize like, wait, nope, turn this negative thought into a positive thought. And now do I still have negative thoughts? Of course, everybody does. That's, that's literally how the world works. But if I'm able to take those negative thoughts and immediately say, nope, switch it. And I'm able to then flip that to a positive in some way, shape or form. And I think that's been what has helped me the most. And just like life, right? Like negativity is, I think the worst thing in the world. I am a 100% positive all the time that I can. It's a great day to be alive. Is anytime ask me how anyone asks me how I'm doing. My, my answer is it's a great day to be alive. You know what? Cause it is. I love it. I woke up this morning. I drank coffee. I got to hang out with my wife. I enjoy my job. Like that's the easiest way to have a positive mindset is just to remind yourself of all these awesome things. I brush my teeth. Some people don't right. like doing that. What? Like, have you ever woken up with that grime in your mouth? Like, dude, just go brush Let's, your teeth. It's awesome. Look at the look at the first world problem. We call it right. We have the luxury yeah. of having a home to live in. Some people don't. You have running water to brush your teeth. Some people don't. These little elements of appreciating what I call success to me that you woke up like you just said. I got to have a cup of coffee. That's success to this me. Is a good cup of coffee. This exactly. So when you can value the things that you do have going for you from that place of awareness and re- realizing I am successful because I'm upright, I'm breathing, I have things that are that are good for me, my life is going well, I have an opportunity to then go out and do more good in the world. It's You, you don't get caught up in this idea that I'm only going to feel this way when or if. You take that away, those negative thoughts as you call them. And then your emotional capacity grows alongside that and then you start to recognize here's another piece for your audience is that there are no such thing as negative or positive emotions. We just have emotions. It's how we relate to them and how we use them that determines whether they're negative or positive. See, that's another thing. It's like, well, anger is is wrong as you hear that all the time. No, it's not. It's how you use anger. Rage is not wrong. Depression actually is an emotion, but we get caught up in our emotional instability and we sit in it. We don't get out of it and then it becomes a disease. It becomes an issue that people have to fight and battle for the rest of their lives. So getting you to the place of awareness here, internally, energetically, right? Appreciating that satisfaction of, I get to get up today in my house with my wife and my dog, go for a hike in the Red Rocks of where I'm at right now and enjoy my good cup of coffee and go out in the world and kick some ass and take care of these powerful people because I want them to make an uplifted, positive you know, change in the world rather than this dysfunctional, asymmetrical you know, growth that we're seeing right now. To me, that's success and that's why I'm grateful for that as well. And, and I appreciate yeah. the, the point you made about social media. I think Twitter is the worst place on planet Earth. So I'm 100% <laughs> on board with you there, man. Like that is, oh my goodness. It is the worst place on planet Earth. Do I still use it? Yeah, mostly to just get like sports news. Like, right, the Mets signed Justin Verlander today. So anyone yeah. who can figure out math, you know what they were recording on. That was pretty cool. Uh, so, yeah, I hopped on Twitter to see what was going on, right? But then I immediately, once, you, you oh. can't read the comments. 
see, that's what you got to do when you're on Twitter. Never, ever click and read the comments. Sometimes I do it to laugh because there's some you know people are just like lobbing grenades, right? And just like, I can't wait to see how stupid people are going to be about this. So you yeah. get in there and then, yeah, then I'm like, you know, I kind of should just get out of here. But I hate Twitter. I love it for some reasons, hate it for most reasons. But I thought the way yeah. you put it was absolutely fantastic. There's no awareness there. It is stimuli response, call response, call response. Someone says something, you immediately think you have to respond. And I've done that. And then I've not sent it. I mean, like, why the mm. hell am I? Like, this is stupid. And immediately just erase it. And that, was, that was it. And then I I, I left. And you yeah. know what happens when you shut the computer? It's not there anymore. <laughs> so you're gone. It's kind of nice. Now, if yep. children understood that, right? If kids <laughs> that are on social media for 18 hours a day understood that, it would probably be helpful. But unfortunately, they're not old enough to really get that. Or con- Most people well, aren't old enough yeah. to get that. Well, Michael, it goes back to leadership. Everything starts and stops with our leaders, our, our influencers, our parents. And what's happening is nobody is willing to do what's right. It's now about who's right. And the argument out there, especially across social media, is that people are misusing social media as a dumping ground for their own trauma. And then what ends up happening now, we're we're monetizing that. We're giving people credibility and validity to the vanity and narcissistic epidemic where people feel emboldened to speak to each other that way. And our leaders are doing the same thing across the political spectrum. Even athletes are doing that now, public figures, influencers. And it's this is what drives me on a daily basis to do what I do. What I was built to do is to get into these wars and battle these demons that these people are living with because look what the result is from their inability to truly live as the best version of themselves. This is the cesspool you're talking about because after 12 years before the pandemic, I had no social media presence. I had no digital platform. I didn't need it, don't want it. But of course, given the times, I was asked to, my team to put something together. Now I'm playing around in that world and I'm seeing the truth. I'm like, oh my goodness, this is insane what's happening here. But it all starts and stops with leadership, period, full stop. I love that. And the yeah. irony of me clipping that and putting it on the social media is going to be <laughs> So I appreciate you there, Wiley. Thank you My for having a little bit of understanding and comedic value here. I appreciate yes, that, man. Yes, of course, so of course. We've, kinda, we've, we've, we've gotten into it, right? So we quit in Carantino yeah. this a little bit. So now we're going to kind of go back to the beginning where we talked about before what you're doing. Again, founder of Radical Performance Acceleration. As you said, you live with people. You get into their heads, it sounds like. You pull out those demons and you help them mm. slay them. Just mm. cut them on down, Wiley. How do you even start doing something like, like where, where, where does this idea come from? How are you just like, you know what I should do? Like, how does that happen? Uh, it's uh, number one. It's a, uh, there's a b- big difference between getting help versus being optimized. I mean, I have a little white paper. I even wrote about that. It's on my website. That's truly grounded in these philosophies. What's that website? Don't, don't, Wiley, don't be afraid to plug. <laughs> WileyMcGraw.com. W-Y-L-I-E-M-C-G-R-A-W.com. Now it's there for people to learn insights and, and philosophies that can really challenge them and allow them to get these you know, tips and, and tricks for themselves to really push the needle. Um, but at the end of the day, it was not something that I decided I, you know, I should go out and do this. It was discovering more about myself when I got out of the military. I wanted to get to that place where I saw how combat stress, familial stress, environmental stress affected my ability to be satisfied. And I had this internal fire that was like, I do not want to live and build something stressed out in chaos. So what I need to do is I need to face my own demons first and I need to get to a place where people outside of me can challenge me and contain me properly to battle through them in the right way. And that's what I did first. And then when I met my business partner, 
15 plus years ago. She was like, look, you are built this way. I can see your power. I know who you are. You're meant to go out and do this, this work in the world. These people need you. So we built that business around that gift and then innate ability that I have basically been doing my entire life since I was a kid. Everybody's erupting around me. I can't turn it off. It's my essence. They, their deep, darkest secrets come out. They feel things rattle within them when I'm in their presence, which is why, to your, your question, I integrate into the lives of these powerful people. I only work with uh, two to three, maybe four. That's even pushing it per year. It's very intimate. It's very dynamic. I have a network of 40 plus specialists that work in tandem with me that I've curated over the years to holistically surround the life of that person. No stone left unturned to truly accelerate them to the top of their game and get rid of those demons by battling in the trenches with them as I'm integrated as they're battling. I'm like Constantine come to life where I go in and do this work. And that's the nature of why the privacy that I herald for the clients I work with, they love that because they know nobody's going to know what we're doing. And that's why they trust me and they call me because they've done everything else to get to this point and still feel unsatisfied, in pain, a little suffering at home at night. They, they don't know what to do with themselves. And when they get introduced to me, they can tell this is the finally place that I know that I'm going to get pushed far beyond where I wanted to go and experience that peace, that satisfaction, that, ah, that, that happiness that I've been longing for so that my relationships thrive. My health is optimal. My focus is clear. My ability to make more money, have a bigger impact is just exponential. And that's the beautiful part about the nature of my work. Absolutely beautiful, man. Yeah. Sounds like you're doing some great stuff, right? Where yeah. you're, you're affecting one, two, three, four, who can then go and affect many, 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 which is always, right? Like, that's yeah. what we're trying to do. I want to affect one person with every single one of these episodes to hopefully they Good. go affect 10 people. Because then if right. I, you're my 330th episode, that means I've potentially affected 3,000, however many people, just two degrees, right? Then you go right. out another degree and another degree, right? That's my whole goal with this. Well, thing. that's the thing is I have clients in the past that have millions of followers. And when they are living their best life, that those two versions, the one that's behind the scenes and the one that's in the public eye, actually marry and are, are one. There's no longer this, I look good in public, but I'm suffering with cancer behind the scene and my relationships are, are, are miserable. I don't know what to do about it. I marry those two. And then you people can feel the difference. They can see what their influencer, their guru, their favorite coach is actually ex- changing and experiencing. And that makes them want to do more. And then that ripple effect is profound. But my job is to affect the lives of leaders so they can go out and affect the lives of the masses. And I think one thing about sports today, which yeah. has been different than many years in the past, right? Because of followers and and Instagram and you know people being able to see and, and understand, right? Before it was, you're an athlete, you're going to do, you're going to be an athlete outside of Michael Jordan, right? Like outside of the biggest of the biggest stars, these athletes didn't really have too big of a platform, right? They would be shut down very quickly. There's a lot of things, you know, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now you can be live 24 hours a day if you would like for people to see exactly what you're up to, curated, of course, but exactly what you're up to and how you're doing it. So athletes are being looked at more as leaders today, right? Like I don't care how you feel about LeBron James. He he does things. He's affecting change in multiple different ways, some for the good, some for the bad. I'm not here to comment on that, but he's affecting change. That essentially makes him a leader. Many of these athletes, Kobe Bryant, right, did some stuff yeah. in the past, but he also has been you know, credited with changing people's lives over and over and over again because of the way he worked and his quote-unquote mama mentality and what he's done for women's sports, right? So how when you work with athletes, what is it? I mean, you probably have a little bit still left inside you, right? Will it, Wiley? Always. Damn, I almost did it again. How how are you connecting with athletes maybe a little differently than some major politician or some CEO of some Fortune 500 company that's just trying to make an extra dollar? How are you how are you connecting with athletes and how are you helping them change? That might be different than some of these other people. Um, number one, having the experience of being an athlete and being around these types of people my entire life 
gives that immediate connection to these people. It's like when I started doing this work, I was working with combat veterans, dealing with PTSD, transitioning back. I was working with force recon guys, team guys, SF guys, buddies that I knew, um, and creating exponentially accelerated results that the VA started to take notice and say, hey, who's, who's working with you? What are you doing? But when I got into these industries, it has nothing to do with what they do, their titles, or the money that they make. They're all human beings who are all dealing and battling their own demons. My, the, my approach to the work is very unique to each individual. I don't care who they are. I don't care what their background is. I don't care what their title. I don't care their, their reputation. I don't even care about how much money they have. What matters is their mindset, determination, and an ability to surrender so that we can get to the truth of what's really hurt, holding them back and plaguing them, causing their behavior to do these things out in public, like you just said. So with athletes specifically, there's no difference to the way in which I unfuck their lives. There's just that intimate connection knowing that I was an athlete. So I know how their world works. I can appreciate the teams that, of, of resources they have around them that support them. But they are missing that key element of someone who actually is integrating in their lives and can see where the real difficulties are lying that their therapist, that their massage therapist, that their you know, trainer cannot see or will not see. And having that battle buddy like me in their, in their corner by their side 24-7 with them is where we can really make serious changes for who they are because I'm able to see life happening as it happens rather than being something, you know, when you go, okay, I just had a big, huge blow up with my wife and I have to wait till Friday to go talk to my therapist. And by the time you get to your therapist's office, it's kind of dissipated a little bit. Your ego kind of kicks in and you don't really get vulnerable and tell your therapist everything that goes on right when it happened. Well, if I'm right there when it's happening in your in their life with them, right there is where we fight it. Right there is where we battle it. Right there is where we confront it. And that's where it actually resolves and is eradicated. So it just all comes back to the type of capacity someone has, no matter what their industry, those are the people that I work with. And the athletes, the you know competitive people in the business world, they just have a relatability to me because I've been through these experiences just like them. So then I guess it's less about athletes. It's more of just what what is what is it about these types of people that make them seek out you? You mean right? um, they're they're they're, yeah. they're high level, right? Yeah. They're at the top yep. of their field is when we're especially CEOs of Fortune 500 companies, athletes, mm-hmm. the greatest of the greatest in the world, right? They've been told yeah. this probably most of their lives. What is it about these people to just be not be like, yeah, let me rest on my ro- loyals. Yeah. I'm making yeah, millions a, of dollars. Who cares? Yeah, it's re- it's a relentless a relentless like Kobe Bryant, relentless commitment to always be your absolute best and to be at the top of your game. These people chase constant improvement because they want to know what they're capable of further beyond where the limits that they've already reached. They go, you know what, let's see where else I could go. But what ends up happening is most of the time they hire resources, celebrity coaches and things like that based on that notoriety factor. So there's a little bit of control still in there. When they meet me and they recognize, they feel something different with me, they go, okay, Okay, you're, I can sense something different. I don't have to think it. I don't need you to tell me what we're going to do. All I know is you're the right thing. Someone introduced us together. I've been hanging out with you for the last few months. We've been getting to know each other, calibrating to this relationship. And then we've decided to do something. Every single time, it's because they intuitively feel this is going to be where my, my life changes again. This is where I'm going to be challenged in a way I've never had. This is where I, I don't feel that I can control it. And I'm excited by that. That's the type of person that finds me. If those leaders out there listening go, I don't want to surrender control of this guy. I don't want to follow his leadership. I want to do whatever I want to do. You're not my person and it's never going to get anywhere. We're not going to be able to create results for you that way. But if you're someone who can surrender that control and recognize that no matter what I tell you to do, no matter what I put you through, it's only going to be optimal for you. 
That's the type of person that finds me. That's their mindset. And that's why athletes, CEOs, celebrities, people like that are built to seek out some of the most radical environments, hence the work that I do for them. It's got to be so hard for someone like that to actually surrender control, right? Like, as you said before, like, yeah, oh, we'll get some celebrity coach. But as you said, there's still kind of some control in there. Yes. How how often do you actually meet people and you're just like, you actually aren't going to surrender control. So, you know, we're not going to do this. Like, is that how often? Yeah, it's, you know, what's interesting is um, when I meet people and we connect, it's, I had a, a, a past client of mine, a public figure in the personal development space, uh, big, big guy. And we had dinner recently after three years of after we stopped working together, he reached out and said, Hey, I want to, I want to take you to dinner. It's been a long time, let you know what's going on. So I met up with him and had, we had a dinner and he goes, I got to tell you, people like me know when we meet you, we need you. We can feel it. We can tell your capacity. We can tell your intensity. We know your focus, your determination. You are someone when you show up in the room, everybody feels it. But the moment it gets real, that's when we feel our own fear come up. So what ends up happening is they put up their own defense mechanisms because everybody does it. And they they try to control the way that feels, which then causes us to prolong the calibration period together before we decide logistically, okay, you got to write the check. We got to jump in together. We're basically going to kick this thing off officially here. Um, but I've found the ones that resist and push back and run away. It's because they don't like the way they feel about their own shit rattling up from within when they're in my presence and they don't know how to let go of that. And that's okay. They go off and do it, but they still somewhat try to lean in and go, okay, what's he, what is he doing? And they stay connected here and there. But all of those people at the top, they're so used to controlling their resources. They've never had somebody go, come in and go, you don't get control anymore. And that's the only way you're going to grow and actually get where you want to go is because you're surrendering that control. It doesn't mean you're not going to get to be your own autonomous self. It just means you're leaning into my leadership. You're leaning into my love and my care. And you're recognizing that I'm going to do everything in my power to make you experience the most elite version of yourself. And then I'm going to get out of your way and you're going to go off and kick ass and change the world yourself. That's it. And I'm sure these are all the same people that say, get comfortable being uncomfortable, right? Oh yeah. I love the concept. Everybody talks about being uncomfortable, but very few know what it's like to actually be outside the real comfort zone. Outside of that, knowing what it feels like is completely different than talking a big game about you got to be outside your comfort zone and then themselves being afraid to actually get outside their comfort zone. It's a, uh, every day at the end of my shower, I turn it really cold Yes, and I hate it. And that's why I do it. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, that's a, so your that's, audience should hear that. That's yeah. a, like, honestly, don't push yourself to go too far. Take that tip that even Michael just said right now is I do the same thing. A little warm shower. And at the end, there's two minutes of ice cold water and I sit in a deep breath. Yeah. You're incredible. I don't go that long. But sit with it and enjoy it and re- realize what it's doing for you mentally and emotionally. Realize what it's doing for you physically and see these little momentarily challenges as a way to start preparing you to take on a bigger risk next time, to take on a bigger challenge next time. And when you do that and you keep putting yourself in those environments, you'll find the consistency is key. And that's when you'll know, okay, being outside my comfort zone, is actually kind of fun and it's actually comfortable. I don't like it sometimes, but I see so much good happening because of it. Let me stay in this and let me see what I could do because I stayed in that. Exactly. Yeah. Shout yeah. out to my good friend and mentor, Rob Cressy. He told me to start doing that. <laughs> I've been on and off with it, but recently been very good about it. And uh, yeah, it's like he, he pretty much said, like, how do you practice courage? Like, you really you really can't. Like, you can't practice courage. Like, you no. have to be in a situation that needs you to be courageous, right? So yeah. 
you kind of have to be courageous to sit in your shower after that nice, especially in the winter. It sucks right now, right? It's so nice right. and warm, and you're in there, and you're good, and you're, you're hanging out, you're dancing to your music, and then you're like, oh, damn it, I don't want to do, do this right now. All right, I'll do it. And then, you, yeah. and then you're like, oh, one more second, just one more second, just one more second, and you sit there, and you shiver, and then you finally turn it off, and you feel incredible, but yeah. it sucks, man. It I does, love it, but and it sucks. It, it, you got to see. That's the thing is, if it sucks, it's like you know, you know Jocko Willink is one of the biggest uh, yep. guys that talks about when it sucks, I like it. And he's not lying. It's like when it sucks, I like it because it's gonna make you stronger. It's gonna make you better. It's gonna make you faster. And if you keep yourself enjoying the suck of it rather than sucking it up, man, it's so free and rewarding. Which is why those little challenges lead to bigger challenges. Exactly. Embrace yeah. the suck. I think you said that earlier, and it's exactly yeah. like, do I like it? exactly in that moment no but i know after i'm gonna feel great it's like a workout right it's like a really yeah. strong my little peloton behind me here it's like yeah. one of those when i look at it, it's like i'm gonna hate this one so let's do it yep. and then yep. at the end it's gonna feel so good right during i'm not gonna enjoy it but as you said embrace the understanding of what happens afterwards well i wrote a blog about it too is like your fitness attitude determines your level of performance and it talks about the three different types of fitness attitudes where it comes to do you quit at the onset of the burn do you push through it or do you get turned on by it and those all three different components can tell you a lot about your mental capacity to perform and when you give yourself that space to go okay i kind of get as soon as it starts to burn i kind of i kind of walk away from it that's fine but that next time why don't you try to push through that little burn just a little bit and watch how much you grow just a fraction more. And then eventually you get to the point with me when I was a bodybuilder, I, I got turned on by the burn. I got turned on by beating myself up because I got big. I saw the muscle strength and growth. I felt very alive. The endorphin rush, the hormonal shifts is because I pushed through, but I also got turned on by it and challenged and was like, you know what? I don't care how much this hurts. I'm doing that extra rep today because watch what's going to happen when I grow. It's a beautiful thing to, to be a part of. I love it. This is yeah. good shit. Wiley, yeah. this has been absolutely fantastic. Wiley McGraw, <laughs> one more time, founder of Radical Performance Acceleration, former baseball player, competitive bull rider, three-tour combat veteran. I mean, actually, I guess if you have a podcast and you go on someone else's podcast and don't talk about your podcast, do you really have a podcast? So we have to ask you about yours, right? Wise right. words and whiskey with yep. Wiley McGraw. You spell whiskey without an E. Let's start with that because that's... Oh, that is a debate. Talk to me. That's, oh, yeah, let's do it. Well, my family, uh, half my family is from Glasgow, Scotland. So at the end of the day, when I studied, you know, sort of learning about the love for the love of whiskey, you know, that's one of those things is having a family that are connoisseurs like my father, the Scottish spell the whiskey without the E. But the Irish and the Americans, we spell it with an E. So there's no wrong spelling there. It's just identifying that the Scots have to be different. They had to change it and they took the E out and they just spelled it with the Y. So I figured, okay, my alignment with my love for single malt scotches, because that's kind of my go-to. I have a, a drink once a week. That's just kind of my, my limitation. It was marrying the love of whiskey into this low-key environment to talk about high-performance living, to bring out insights and wise words that otherwise aren't usually talked about on most podcasts. The guests come on. They don't know what I'm going to ask. I ask a very specific question based on my understanding of who they are, their background, what, what I think was going to be very stimulating for them and the audience. And then we go as we sip a really good quality whiskey together and we share in the experience first before we have the conversation so the audience can learn about quality spirits too. It's like this beautiful double-sided benefit for everyone where they can kick back and go, I never knew about whiskey that way. I can Maybe I might want to go buy a bottle and try out what Wiley's talking about. And then we get into this really cool conversation. So Wise Words of Whiskey was born 
for this more low key environment because my work is so intense. I wanted to showcase another side of who I was in a kickback kind of like vibe so that people can enjoy really cool stuff. I like that. That's a yeah. really, I like that concept. As you said, the juxtaposition of what you do and, and you know, the yeah. way, I mean, you've been very high energy, very energetic, very passionate, right? The reason why I started talking and having podcasts was because one time I was sitting down and I just listened to someone talk about something they were passionate about. I hated the topic. Like legitimately hated the topic, but I was so enthralled with the guy, the, the way he told his story, the, the way he looked at the problem and found the solution. It was just so passionate about the subject. I was like, that's awesome. I want to talk to yeah. more people like that. That's why I right. started this podcast. So here we are, 300 and however many episodes in. Good so, for you. That's I great. Appreciate appreciate yeah. you being a, an awesome guest on this show, Wiley. Uh, tell people where we can find you, what your social medias, uh, your website one more time, your, the, the podcast. Give us all that stuff. I'll put it all in the description for everyone. Sure. But just let, uh, just a little shout out if you don't mind. Yeah, of course. WileyMcGraw.com is the website. It has all my philosophies and all the things that I've distilled down from my 14 years of working behind the scenes with these powerful and prominent people. Wise Words of Whiskey with Wiley McGraw is live across Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Uh, I would love to have people subscribe and like the YouTube channel, which is what we've built out for that as well, where you can get more of the long form and the short form videos on these conversations. Um, those are the places people can really uh, participate in the conversation and kind of learn more about what it is that I do out in the world and actually discover what they might be capable of achieving as well when they hear these insights and wise words to challenge them. So please, by all means, enjoy the conversation. Last thought for you too, Michael, is we're doing a premium whiskey giveaway for the next year. So every month, I can give you that link. If your folks want to subscribe to the channel, they'll be automatically entered into that whiskey giveaway, a bottle of premium Balvini with a rocks glass set and a chance for them to be on the show as well if your audience wants to do that. That sounds incredible. Yeah. 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 Send it send it my way, man. I'll, okay, I'll, brother, I'll make sure to wait to subscribe until after I get the link too. Don't worry. <laughs> you can jump in it now. You can tell people as soon as they get it, they can jump in it. They don't have to wait, but I would love them to subscribe to be a part of the community and the conversation. 100%. That's yep. awesome, man. I, I appreciate that for uh, the, the offer to the audience. Of course, we'll get to hopefully absolutely. get you a couple extra people uh, to check that out. I'm excited to check out the show a little bit more as well too, man. But this has been absolutely fantastic. One more time, Wiley. I only screwed it up twice. I'm pretty sure maybe you had a better counter than I did. Wiley McGraw, founder of Radical Performance Acceleration, host of the Wise Words and Whiskey with Wiley McGraw, as well as former baseball player, competitive bull rider, three-tour combat veteran. Man, this has been absolutely fantastic. Sincerely appreciate your time today because time is the only thing we don't get more of. So thank you for giving me some of yours. Thank the audience uh, for letting us uh, hang out with them for a little bit here. But other than that, man, you have a great rest of your day. Enjoy it. I shared shared your sentiments. Thank you so much, brother. Thank you, man. This is great. Bye, everybody.